Hi, I'm Will Reimer, and this is Street Level Stories. In episode two, we told you about the issue of runaway kids in Winnipeg. In this episode, we look at grassroots groups, what they're doing to help those kids and the obstacles they face in trying to get work done. It's one thing to see an issue and want to change it. It's another thing entirely putting that idea in practice. So far, we've been looking at grassroots groups and what they're trying to accomplish, but we wanted to take a step back and see how these groups get off the ground. A few weeks before we went on our walks with neighborhood patrol groups, there was a major court decision here in Winnipeg. Raymond Cormier, the man tried for the killing of Tina Fontaine, was found not guilty. Cormier's acquittal led to nationwide protests and a petition calling for a public inquiry into Tina's killing. Susan Chief is a full-time member of the Bear Clan. During their walk, Keela asked her about the recent verdict. Tina Fontaine verdict and how that came in. Did that uh, affect you guys as a group or did you talk about it? Oh, no, it affected the world. Yeah. Not just the group, it affected the world. Mm-hmm. How did you feel after you, you heard that? I was pissed. Why were you so pissed? Because that's not justice. Them getting scot free, that's not justice. Like, if your loved one was murdered, would you be happy that they got scot-free? That's how this family feels. That's how the world feels. Because her disappearance is sort of what really got the bear plant started, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's, like, a lot of distrust about the justice system in the community? Majorly. The justice system right now is making themselves look very prejudiced, is what it's down to. Do you know a lot of people who just won't even bother going through that, like filing a complaint? Pretty much, yeah. 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 It is sad. Like, we're supposed to... Apples and oranges! We're supposed to look up to them. They're supposed to protect us. Apples and oranges! It's not happening. Like Chief said, when Tina's body was pulled out of the Red River in 2014, it touched people across the country and catalyzed the national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Her disappearance also spurred the resurgence of the Bear Clan shortly afterward. Tina's death prompted James Favel to bring back the Bear Clan Patrol, a patrol group that hadn't been active in over 20 years. But what started as a grassroots idea with just 12 members in 2014 has grown into a much larger operation. Hundreds of volunteers have expanded into several neighborhoods in the city, most recently Winnipeg's West End. Walking with James, we talked about how the grassroots group has evolved in such a short span of time, earning regular media attention and now funding from the city. Uh, So I just read recently that um, Bowman gave your group uh, 13 grand, yeah. Um, Yeah. Was that expected? Do you know where the money is going to be going yet? Well... (laughs) Yeah, we, we, like I saw a comment, of course, that we were meeting about it. Okay. He wants us to go into West End, and he offered to do that for us to help start the West End Patrol, and that's fantastic. But I said to him, you know, you guys haven't done anything for us in the North End. Mm. His response? <laughs> yeah, just don't ask for more than 13 grand for the West End, okay? <laughs> and then we have West Broadway Group. Um... They applied for a grant through Miriam or something like that. They got a $12,000 grant. Okay. 
okay. When we were starting up, we couldn't get anything. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we did it the way we did it. We didn't ask for permission, we didn't ask for money, we just started it because there was, otherwise it never would have got going. Right. But it does hurt me yeah. just a little bit. But they won't, you know, invest in us. They gave us $10,000 in April as a donation from their uh, state of the city address. It was nice and everything, but again, at that point we were 500 volunteers. The Bear Clan Patrol plans to use the money to buy radios, cell phones, and a defibrillator to treat sudden cardiac arrest. The funding will also help expand their efforts into other neighborhoods. But as the old saying goes, mo money, mo problems. A member of the original Bear Clan Patrol, Mitch Babernier, says being donation-driven has its advantages. And and this is grassroots, you know, it's it's uh, donation-driven, which is great because then you're not... You know, you can do it your way. Yeah. You can do it how, you know, directly, simply. Like, it's action. Yeah, I you guess know, if like, you were, like, like, funded through, like, the government, then you guys would almost have to well, do be, it their way. There'd be policies, procedures, yeah. there'd be, you know, and, and bureaucracy involved. There's no bureaucracy here. It's just yeah. a bunch of folks that get out and actually do something. Yeah. That's Michael Champagne's model. Just do it. <laughs> You know, that's how Bell Tower got started. Michael Champagne is a local Indigenous leader who started Meet Me at the Bell Tower a number of years ago. Here's Michael to tell you what the Bell Tower is all about. Uh, myself and members of Aboriginal Youth Opportunities began Meet Me at the Bell Tower in 2011 as a response to the violence that was happening in the community because as uh, urban Indigenous young people that live in and work and play in this neighbourhood, that violence was affecting us and we noticed that a lot of the violence was coming from young people. So if the violence and the problem is coming from young people, then the solution and the medicine also has to come from those young people as well. Winnipeg's North End has historically been an area with low wages and high poverty and crime. So every Friday for the past seven years, the group has met near the neighborhood's bell tower to share stories, food, vent frustrations, and mobilize. We went to the bell tower at the corner of Selkirk and Powers on a windy Friday evening to speak with Michael. We wanted to know how they were able to start their grassroots group, what challenges they faced, and how they've sustained themselves since then. However, when we got there, we learned Michael was away that evening hosting another event. We stuck around anyways and listened in as members of the community passed around a megaphone to share whatever was on their mind. An older, soft-spoken man who seemed to have come by himself asked to use the megaphone and, to our surprise, had some very interesting news to share. He was excited to tell everyone that a group he started a few years ago called Circles for Reconciliation had just received $50,000. Raymond Curry turned out to be just the man we were looking for. Someone who saw a problem and wasn't going to wait for anyone else before taking action. It started when he was reading in the interim report for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It was mandated by the federal government to report on the history and legacy of Canada's residential school system. I was um, at home, and uh, the day that in, in uh, June of... Uh, 2015 the interim report came out from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the interim report and the, the last paragraph begins with a sentence in bold which says you don't have to wait till the final report comes out to do something so I thought I want to do something and I tried to think about what I wanted to do and and what I realized is that that there are no or there are very weak relationships between Indigenous and non-Indigenous, we don't know each other. Mm. So I thought I want to do something about creating relationships. 
Circles for Reconciliation brings together small groups of indigenous and non-indigenous to simply talk. The themes of those talks have been provided by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission itself. The members of each circle meet ten times, either weekly or bi-weekly, to address the disconnect between the two groups. The conversations can be difficult and uncomfortable, but Curry says they're vital in efforts towards reconciliation. Circles for Reconciliation has now been funded by the governments of Canada, Manitoba, the Winnipeg Foundation, and several others. But Raymond says getting that funding was no easy task. Has it been relatively easy to get funding? or is No, it... are you kidding? I can't tell you how many times I've been turned down. Tell us a bit about that process. Like, Where, where have you been going to? Federal government, provincial government, just don't get any uh, answers. And why would you say that is? Well, What's the because they have programs and they, they fund certain programs and you have to fit into those programs. Raymond is a retired sociology professor with the knowledge and time on his hands to complete the lengthy applications and jump through all the hoops. Many other groups aren't so lucky. I know how to apply for a grant and mm -hmm. you know I have experience in that so I can use that background to, to know how to put together a proposal. But the bureaucracy is, they, they fund existing programs that they have devised or they they give the money to indigenous organizations who have their programs so starting something as we did grassroots from from the bottom up I don't know how to deal with that mm. you know and we just want to get on and, and talk about reconciliation we want to do it we don't right. want to talk about it we want to do it mm -hmm. so I think I think we've been successful in the little that we have been successful because we can say to them, look, we started with nothing and, and this is what we produced. One of the government departments Raymond applied for funding to was Indigenous and Northern Affairs Canada. And although his program has been endorsed by nearly a dozen different groups, including the province and some Indigenous organizations, many of his applications have been left unanswered. I keep hearing that my application is on the, on the, on the desk. desk of the of the Treasury Board, and, and I'll hear shortly, but I haven't yet, so. Mm, okay. But you just keep calling back, and you don't, get, uh, you don't get discouraged because you know this is the process. According to INAC's website, they manage a budget dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars split between nearly two dozen different branches, one of which is reconciliation. But as we've heard today, you don't need funding to put an idea into action. Sometimes all you need is a good idea and the right people. We'll leave you now with some advice Raymond had for anyone out there looking to get their idea off the ground. Consult. Um, ask for, listen. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I never could have done this by myself. This is, this is a partnership, and without Clayton and Ingrid and, and uh, Belinda and Kona, who are all Indigenous, this never would have gotten anywhere. Street Level Stories is a production of senior journalism students at Red River College. This episode was written by myself, Will Reimer, and Keila DePap. Kelsey James and Eric Pandera contributed reporting for this episode. You can find links to the studies and other information referenced in this show on our Twitter account, at Level Stories.